0: Welcome back to another episode of Tacos and Tequila. I'm Peyton.
1: I'm Sydney.
0: And we are picking up where we left off last week with part two of Jimmy Hoffa. Woo! <laughs> part two. Um, part two. <laughs> it's going to be another long one. My notes are just as long for the rest of this. So I will apologize in advance, but it's more theory
1: talk. Yes, I'm excited.
0: Yeah, Sydney and I were just saying we're super, before we hit record, that we're super excited to get in and dive into the theories.
1: Yes, very much so. I've been looking forward to this.
0: Well, I guess I should dive right into it here. Take it away. So when we left off, we were talking about uh, just some figures involved in very, like, who were very spoken out against Hoffa regaining control of the Team Sir organization now that he was out of prison. If you don't remember, some of the names I mentioned were Tony Provenzano, who was involved with the Genovese crime family in New Jersey. Anthony Giacolone, who was De- uh, Detroit Mafia based, and his brother Vito, they were very involved. And so I guess we'll just kind of pick up on what actually happened. Obviously, Jimmy Hoffa is pretty famous for a lot of things. You know, he was involved in the Teamster organization and linked to organized crime. But the biggest thing he is known for over the years is that he disappeared. On July 30th, 1975, Jimmy Hoffa disappeared and would never be seen again. To this day, 2021, nothing. The beginning of this day's events are very well known. In his office calendar was written TG 2PM Red Fox. So Red Fox was a restaurant in Bloomfield Township a suburb city of Detroit, and it was well known to Jimmy. His son, James, actually had his wedding reception here. Jimmy was set to meet Provenzano and Colone at this restaurant for a meeting. T as in Tony is what it's assumed. He also had told other people that that's who he was meeting. So that's kind of why they verified that. Jimmy left his home at 1.15 p.m., and instead of heading right to the restaurant, he stopped at a close friend's office. Louis, I believe the last name is Lintou, L-I-N-T-E-A-U. Really sorry if I butchered it. (laughs) I will when I refer to him. Just call him Louis. (laughs) So Louis was a former president of Teamsters Local 614, and he now ran his own limo service business after retiring. He was a close friend of Hoffa's, and he had actually helped him arrange a dinner meeting between the Giacalone brothers and Hoffa on July 26. So at this meeting on July 26, they set up the meeting for today with Tony Provenzano. When Hoffa arrived, Lewis went was out. He had gone to lunch. So he chatted with some of the staff who did verify this. And he left a message for when Lewis returned. He then left the office and headed to the restaurant. Again, that meeting was supposed to take place at 2 around sometime between 215 and 230, Hoffa called his wife from a payphone post behind the restaurant and in front of a hardware store so the restaurant sits in like the front of the lot but in the lot is to even to this day there's a restaurant in this lot and it's almost like a strip mall type of area one of those buildings in there used to be a hardware store and there was a payphone post like kind of right in front of it so he called his wife and told her that he was stood up and he was like very clearly aggravated and upset she said His wife told him no one had called the house to, like, say they were late or a change of plans, so he had told her he would be home by four to grill steaks for dinner that night, and he would see her soon. Several witnesses in the area did see Jimmy standing by his car and kind of pacing back and forth between the car and the restaurant to check and see if anyone had come to meet him. Two men who actually came forward as witnesses to these events said they personally saw Hoffa and they recognized him, so they stopped and chatted with him for a few minutes and shook his hand. Jimmy also made a call to his friend Lewis, where he complained that he was stood up on the meeting and that the men were late. Lewis told investigators that this was around 3:30 p.m., which is strange because that's more—that's like an hour after he had called his wife. So it's kind of interesting that he would have stuck around. But the FBI actually believe it was earlier prior to three that Lewis had received this call based on the timing of the other phone calls coming in and out of his office at that time. Keep in mind, this is 1975. So like the call log and the timing isn't like now where we have an exact call log. (laughs) The FBI believe Hoffa left this location at the restaurant around 245-250 without a struggle. One witness reported they saw Hoffa in the back of a maroon-colored Lincoln or Mercury with three other people in the car. And that was where the FBI have gotten this 245-250 timeframe. After this, his whereabouts are unknown. At seven the next morning, Jimmy's wife called their son and daughter to tell them that their father had not come home. At 720 that morning, Lewis went to the Red Fox to check on the scene there and found Jimmy Hoffa's car unlocked in the parking lot just as he had left it. There were no signs of Jimmy or any signs of a struggle. Lewis called the police immediately and they arrived not long after that. The Michigan State Police were also brought in, and then, and the FBI was alerted, who would later become involved in this case. At 6 p.m. on July 31st, James Hoffa filed an official missing persons report for his father. The family also offered a $200,000 reward for any information on Jimmy's disappearance. I just want to emphasize, this is 1975. And the family offered a $200,000 reward.
1: That's a lot of money.
0: Yes. Nowadays, you see like a five grand one. (laughs) That's Uh, like a standard one. (laughs)
1: Depending. Yeah. Depending on who's missing. Yes. I like. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Sometimes you see people's like dogs that are missing and it's like a thousand dollars. I'm like, oh, shoot.
0: Yeah, well, I wish my family loved me as as much as someone loved that dog.
1: It's true. It's true. (laughs)
0: It's a lot of money. Uh, Yes. Really, the biggest piece of physical evidence that was obtained in this investigation was a maroon 1975 Mercury Marquis. So, as I mentioned, a witness had described a maroon colored Lincoln or Mercury. So this card fit the exact description of the last place Hoffa was ever seen. Funny enough, this car belonged to Anthony Giacolone's son. So remember, Anthony Giacolone <laughs> was set to meet Hoffa that day at the restaurant and did not show, according to Hoffa calling his wife, right? And this car that they obtained a search warrant for eventually belonged to his son. Interesting. The car had been borrowed earlier that day of Hoffa's disappearance by a guy named Chucky O'Brien, supposedly to deliver fish. Chucky was actually Hoffa's foster son. And during the preceding years, the relationship between them had really turned south. Like they were not getting along anymore. It it is believed by both the Hoffa family and investigators that O'Brien was involved somehow. They're just unsure of exactly how. And I say that very firmly because Jimmy's son, James P. Hoffa, still stands by the fact that he believes Chucky O'Brien was involved. On August 21st, police dogs did pick up Hoffa's scent in this car, but that was it. That's that was really all they got from it. Giacalone and Provenzano both in, both denied having any meeting with Hoffa scheduled and they both provided separate proof that they were nowhere near the restaurant that afternoon. In fact, Provenzano even had an al- alibi, which was another person involved with the Genovese crime family that they were playing cards back in Union City in New Jersey that day, so. Provenzano says he wasn't even in the state, and the alibi shows that he was in New Jersey. The FBI did extensive surveillance and bugging, but they could not find any Mafia members who they thought that were involved in Jimmy's disappearance to ever discuss it, even when they believed to be in private. In December 1975, a federal investigator testified in court In Detroit, that a witness had identified three New Jersey men as having participated in the abduction and murder of James Hoffa, also known as Jimmy. (laughs) The three men named were close associates of Tony Provenzano, Salvatore, who was called Sal Brugs, Briglio, his his brother Gabriel, and Thomas Andretta. Funny enough. Thomas Andretta's brother, Stephen, is the guy who gave Tony's alibi by playing cards in New Jersey. So I just thought that was interesting. Link there. <laughs> in 1975, in Waterford Township, was the first unsuccessful digging expedition for Hoffa's body. There were years of investigations involving tons of various agents, including the FBI but they were really all unsuccessful in finding Hoffa, or even having a conclusive answer on what happened to him. I'm gonna kind of go over some things that have happened in the disappearance, and by no means is this in a a perfect chronological order, (laughs) so I apologize, because I might skip around a little bit, but a lot of things have happened in the last 46 years since Jimmy disappeared. The first thing I wanted to mention is that Hoffa's wife, Josephine, died on September 12, 1980, five years after his disappearance without any answers. Just on a side note, she's buried in this cemetery called Whitechapel Memorial Cemetery in Troy, Michigan. And this is like a massive cemetery. So like for me, when I read that, I instantly know what it is. You can see it driving off the highway. So I thought it was really interesting. It is said that she like never fully recovered of the disappearance of Jimmy and like the loss of him because mind you, they had been married like her entire life since she was like 18. On December 9th, 1982, Jimmy Hoffa was legally declared dead by a probate judge in Oakland County, Michigan. In 1982, the agent in charge of the FBI's Detroit office Told a newspaper outlet that he knew exactly what happened to Hoffa. <laughs> and just to give you another exact quote I have for you, he said, I'm comfortable. I know who did it, but it's never going to be prosecuted because he would have to. We would have to divulge informants and confidential sources. Which is kind of shitty in my opinion, to be honest, but um, I guess that's why I'm not an FBI agent. <laughs> In 1991, a man named Arthur Sloan published a book titled Hoffa. Uh, I will say I haven't read it, but it's said to be the most comprehensive biography of Jimmy Hoffa's life to, like, ever exist. And the author received insight from family members, all of their family records, as well as all of Hoffa's, like, friends and professional associates. So it is said to be, like, pretty accurate. In this book, he actually theorizes the mob boss who ordered his Jimmy Hoffa's hit was named Russell Bufalino, And he oversaw the Bufalino, Bufalano, Bufalino, I'm not sure, crime family in Pennsylvania. Three men were sent to lure Hoffa away from the restaurant with a fourth who would have been a familiar face. So the author theorizes the fourth person who is a familiar face was Chucky O'Brien. Hoffa's foster son and who had borrowed the car. Other sources say Chucky was way too unreliable and they think he would have given it up eventually. And they theorize it could have been Vito Giacalone since he was supposed to meet the brothers there anyways. In 2001, the FBI officially matched DNA taken from Jimmy's hairbrush to a hair found in that maroon car of Joseph Giacolone's that they had searched when he first went missing. But this really led nowhere. Essentially, they say Hoffa could have technically traveled in the car on a different day or any given time, and it's really not anything concrete that puts him in that car on the day of the disappearance, which I guess is fair, right? But still interesting to me. On June 16, 2006, the Detroit Free Press newspaper apparently published the entire Hoffex memo, as it's called, which is the 56 page report completed by the FBI for a January 1975 briefing at FBI headquarters. This memo does not claim anything concrete and it can't actually like list out specifics of what happened by any means so I just want to clarify that but it does have a lot of theories of what the FBI believes happened the memo records a belief that Hoffa was murdered at the order of organized crime figures due to the threat of him taking over control again in the Teamsters organization which would cause these mobsters to lose control of the union's pension fund According to this memo, Tony Provenzano was not senior enough in the Gen- Genovese crime family to order the hit himself, but that does not rule out that either him or someone else's issues with Jimmy were the motive behind the disappearance. Others believe Provenzano was used as a lure, but his involvement was limited. However, it is still a firm belief of the FBI that Provenzano did take some sort of part in this plan to kill Hoffa. One criminologist theory was that Hoffa was killed due to threats of cooperating with investigations against organized crime. So I'm going to clarify this because it is largely disputed. Um, one Jimmy just got out of prison and was fighting to get involved with the Teamsters, so the suit they assume not anything that he might have known could have potentially been out of the statute of limitations anyways for anyone to be charged. You know, he just spent all this time in, in jail or prison. And he also would have incriminated himself. Two, there's literally zero evidence from any police organization that Jimmy Hoffa was working on cooperating with them or that he even intended to or that they had approached him to any time recently. So It wasn't a real thing. Like, obviously, he could have still made these threats to people to get what he wanted. But, like, I'm personally going to say, if you're working with organized crime mobsters, I don't think threats of, like, turning you into the FBI is, like, a great way to threaten someone. I assume if that's the route you're going, like, you know that's going to get you killed.
1: But yeah, I, I don't say- even, I don't even know if that's something, like, that necessarily would, like, I feel like in their back pocket, it's always just, I'm going to pull my gun out and shoot you. Like, they're not sitting there saying, like, I'm going to report you to this person as a threat, necessarily.
0: Well, like, and I can't, rem- I can't imagine that that would be a bargaining chip I have for, like, a No. Lot of- I think that's the
1: last thing I would do. They just, like, Um, do shady shady shit behind people's backs, or they, like, get into gunfights in parking lots. Like, those are the two options.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just, um, so I just wanted to emphasize that because there's no, like, proof that this was a real thing. This is not a part of the FBI's memo. It's just one of the criminologists who's worked on this case. That's their theory. But it's, like, largely disputed.
1: Because, I like
0: that theory. Yeah, I just had to throw it out there, but I don't like it either. <laughs> so, the memo also includes that obviously Hoffa was lured away from the restaurant, since any violence there would obviously have witnesses. And we know that by how many people came forward even seeing him in the parking lot. Another criminologist theorized in 2017 that Hoffa was murdered just a mile away from the restaurant at the house of Carlo Licata. His father was a famous mob, mob boss in LA, Nick Licata, and Carlo was linked to other Detroit mobsters and organized crime here. Side note, the reason this could potentially be a big thing in my mind is one, And I'm going to talk about it later too, but people genuinely believe that Hoffa wouldn't have traveled far in a car with a bunch of people, especially if he intended on getting home by four to his wife. So they don't believe he would have traveled long distance. So I think this could potentially be a good, a good story. I'm going to come back to that later, but another reason I thought this was like really compelling it's because when I am coming across all these names, because obviously there's a million organized crime people in in the story, I'm, like, Googling them and trying to figure out who they are. Carlo Licata died under suspicious circumstances. That's in air quotes for anyone who doesn't see me, obviously. And he died in his own home on the sixth anniversary of Hoffa's disappearance. Six years to the day of when Hoffa disappeared. Hmm. It, it has never been declared a ho- homicide. There is no never been a closure just says that he died under suspicious circumstances in his own home, which is the home that they theorize they killed Hoffa. In. And I read hmm. that and I said the same thing. Hmm.
1: And I also feel like all, like, organized crime people, like, they have an agenda. Like, they do things, whether, I mean, suspicious circumstances. They do things like that, though. They, like, kill somebody on the same day for, like, weird reasons. Yeah. Like, like this, especially this is your son. Yeah, and if Carlo Licata was feeling a
0: little guilty and, you know, maybe around the anniversary he was getting a little weird about it. They were maybe like, oh, we'll just take him out on the same day, too.
1: Yeah, that could be. I don't know. I feel like they just always have weird agendas. Like, to be, I guess I don't know, like, the right word, like, that I want to say to explain this, but, like, they know that it's going to cause, like, uproar. So, like, that's why they do it. Like, oh, we're going to pick the same day. Like, we're going (laughs) to do this location. Because I feel like a lot of, like, the organized crime people, too, like, when they find bodies that are supposedly going back to organized crime, they're, like, placed or put in specific areas that they might not have been. Like, I don't know. There's just weird agendas with them.
0: Yes. I agree. I absolutely agree. So, that's why that seemed pretty credible to me. And, like I said, we'll come back to that. I just hit my mic. We'll come back to that in a little bit, too. But I just had to go on my little tangent there. <laughs> So finally, this Hoffa's memo from the FBI, it implied it is the FBI's belief that Hoffa was more than likely killed in the Metro Detroit area and disposed of here since organized crime members in Detroit have proven to be more than capable of handling this themselves. I thought it was very interesting that they used that phrasing. So I had to include it. (laughs) Basically, it said that like, the belief was not only would would New Jersey get Detroit involved, yes, they probably would have, but they wouldn't have gotten Detroit involved and then Detroit would have, like, passed the book. It would have been handled and executed by this Detroit mafia or people involved in Detroit organized crime with links and ties to New Jersey. So I just thought that was interesting. I'm going to talk about common theories, and as they come up, I'm also going to tell you who in my family has this belief. (laughs) So, uh, just a side note. (laughs) Oh, God. Is there a matching family member for everyone? (laughs) Well, I have um, at least my dad and my grandpa. I love that.
1: I'm excited. I I think
0: I might have my mom in here, too, but I don't remember if I included what she said. So... (laughs) I have talked about this recently with all of them, so. (laughs) A common theory among investigators and experts is that the body was cremated. This is my grandpa's theory. (laughs) Um, It would account for why no remains have ever been found 46 years later. I will also say my grandpa has said he's believed this the entire time and my grandpa lived in the Metro Detroit area when Hoffa went missing. He even said he remembers when it happened, so I thought that was interesting. Some theories on where the body was taken over the years obviously include a lot of different places, so two possible local waste incinerators in Detroit, a landfill in New Jersey and a crematorium in the Detroit area. So it is the belief that it wouldn't have been practical to travel with Jimmy far before they killed him, as I mentioned, and they wouldn't have wanted to continue traveling a long distance with the body in the car. These places, besides the landfill, obviously the crematorium and the waste incinerators, could have been potentially where they had his body cremated. There is no concrete proof. It's just places that have been linked to organized crime in the past and they think would have a strong connection to this case. In a book titled, I Heard You Paint Houses, Frank the Irishman Sheeran, and the closing of the, Jimmy, of the case on Jimmy Hoffa, which came out in 2004, there's a claim that the main character, Frank Sheeran, was a professional killer for the mob and a longtime friend of Hoffa's who did eventually kill him. Frank had recently passed when the book was published and it was published by an author who he had told his story to. Frank claimed that Chucky O'Brien drove Frank Hoffa and someone previously mentioned Sal Brig Brig I can't say his last name. Briguglio <laughs> Sal Briggs is what they called him to a house where Frank then shot Hoffa twice. In 2003, before Frank died, he actually made these same claims to reporters, and this eventually directed investigators to his former home in Bloomfield Township, not far from where the restaurant was located, in which he claims to have killed Hoffa. There were traces of blood found here, but it was determined the DNA did not match Hoffa's. But I guess, like, I'm kind of confused because that's, like, 2003, 2004. Would there really be DNA that they could easily gather, you know, 30 years later, 20
1: years later? I guess it's 30. Probably not. Only if they actually, like, saved it, like, and it was in good condition, which I feel like is very common that they don't do that. Correct. And
0: if it had been that long, I'm guessing, like, someone in this house, I mean that's a nice area so it's not like there's abandoned houses that it might have just sat there it's like this was frank's home supposedly or a home he had owned or borrowed from a friend whatever it was i mean it was a lived-in home so like my guess is the blood would have at least been cleaned up and they could have had proof that blood was there but i don't know they could have actually like easily tested for DNA. I guess I'm confused on that. I literally put it in my notes because I was like, but would it be there? Like, who knows? No. So <laughs> That's how I feel. <laughs> so I mentioned this long ass book name. If some of that sounded familiar, it was adapted into a movie which came out on Netflix called The Irishman. I asked Sydney before we did research on this case if she ever saw that movie. Um, no wonder. I mean, it was like a three-plus-hour movie, so I watched it. I think it that's how you parts. asked it. Yeah, I watched it in two parts, and I was like, hey, have you ever watched that three-hour-plus-long-ass like long ass movie?
1: And I was like, hell no. <laughs> I probably looked at the time and was like, nope, don't have enough time for that.
0: I mentioned the book again,
1: or this movie again in my fun facts, so I'll get in more into
0: that later on. But the book it's based off of, its claims are very heavily disputed. Uh, One, the belief is that the Italian American mafia would not have trusted an Irishman to do this job for them. I uh, (laughs) don't know if any of you have watched The Sopranos, but it is very clear the Italians like to in this in the mafia i should say like to stick to their own kind they tend to be very judgmental on other ethnicities (laughs) in the show at least in the sopranos so i could understand that belief because obviously the show did try to be as accurate as possible unlike real life what it was like then (laughs) Criminologists also believe Hoffa would have refused to travel that far, so in one claim I saw that his home was in Bloomfield, which wouldn't have been super far, but another claim was that his home was in Detroit, and if that is the case, that would have been a 20 to 30 minute drive from the restaurant at a minimum, which probably would have been too far for Jimmy to really agree to go on a drive for him. There were long-standing rumors that Jimmy Hoffa's body was buried in the Giants' stadium. Did you read this theory, Sid? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I was like, what the fuck? So, basically, there was theories that, like, he was buried in, like, end zones. (laughs) Yes. Uh, very interesting. So he went missing, I guess, during the, while the Giants stadium was under construction. And although they're called the New York Giants, their stadium is lo- was located in New Jersey. This stadium specifically, at least. I think their current one is, too. There was an episode of Mythbusters titled The Hunt for Hoffa, in which they use ground pre- penetrating radar to search Giants Stadium. The radar would have shown if there were any disturbances in the ground that indicated a body was buried there, but nothing in any of the areas they ever claimed Hoffa was buried in. And then to further prove this, the stadium was demolished in 2010, and no human remains were found then either. So,
1: Jimmy was not a giant stadium. (laughs) It's a good, uh, makes your brain think, like... Yes. Of all the places. <laughs> I mean, hey, I guess,
0: you know, if you're a big sports fan, you're like, every time I watch a game at home, I can remember that. It's pretty fucked up. But I don't know.
1: That's <laughs> true. That's true.
0: So in 2012, police took samplings from... The ground under a driveway in a home in Roseville, Michigan, which is also a suburb in Metro Detroit. To keep in mind, Roseville is about 40, 45 minutes from the restaurant where he went missing. Someone had come forward claiming they witnessed a body being buried in that that location around the time Hoffa disappeared. This also proved to show no evidence. There were no positive indicators of human remains buried under there, but it was a big news story and obviously a proof, another proof of like investigation still ongoing. <laughs> in 2013, a gangster with a big reputation, Tony Zarelli implied Hoffa was in a shallow grave in a field. Not far from the restaurant, and they originally had plans to move his body later on, but it never happened. Zarelli claims he was not responsible for this, nor was he associated with the crime, but he just knew about it. That's always what they say, right? On June 17, 2013, the FBI were led to a property that was owned by Detroit mob boss Jack Toko. The police searched the property for three days, but no human remains were ever found. Toko himself died in 2014, and he had previously been convicted in a different matter with Vito Giacalone. So he was related to many of the mobsters involved in the story, or so it seems, whether they were his acquaintances or whatever. Just on a side note, uh, while doing research on, like I said, all these Detroit mobsters that I had never really heard of before, I had mentioned Jack Toko's name to my father, who is very familiar with the name. And uh, we used to be acquainted with one of his granddaughters, I believe, or great granddaughters. <laughs> never knew that. Interesting. My dad, my dad knew, but I was younger, so like I didn't know. <laughs> Huh. Yeah. I tried to find some news articles, but I couldn't. But I just thought it was a side note. And he just passed away literally like seven years ago. So Thomas Andretta died in 2019, who was one of the people that potentially was implicated in this. His brother Stephen had passed away in 2000. Both were named suspects by the FBI, but there was never any true evidence linking to them to this case at least like nothing really concrete however thomas was a trusted associate of tony provenzano and to this day it is believed that these two men were somehow involved in 2019 michael franzo a former capo for the colombo crime family told journalists in an interview that he was certain he knew who the shooter was where hoffa's body was And had tapes that reveal details that have been unknown. He said, and I quote, I can tell you that it's wet. That's for sure. And upon good information, again, I think I know who the real shooter was. Still alive today in prison. So funny he says wet. Because a big theory by people in Metro Detroit area is that Jimmy went swimming with the fishes. In fact, when I was younger and we, you know, heard the story of Jimmy Hoffa, this has always been my theory. And to this day, it is my father's theory <laughs> that he was disposed of in the Detroit River and would never be found.
1: So With the rest t- of the bodies.
0: Uh, yeah, quite possibly.
1: <laughs> so he'll never be found because there's too many other bodies to dig through out there.
0: Well, and I'm guessing by, like, <laughs> this time. yeah. That's a it's long a lo- time. Your body is definitely completely uh, decomposed or whatever's in there has eaten it.
1: Oh, I yeah. It's been I've gone. I just have never
0: truly eaten fish from the Detroit River. Not that I know of. I've never fished out of there. But, like, in restaurants. Yeah. Who knows?
1: I'm, I'm sure it's probably cheaper.
0: <laughs> so, throughout the years, there have obviously been a lot of theories and tons of searches for Hoffa. It's almost like hard to keep track of them. Most of the searches and concentration have either been in Michigan or New Jersey. And I mentioned some of the big ones from the news already, but here are a few others that I personally thought were interesting. So not long after Hoffa disappeared, there was a rumor that he was involved in quite an anger filled negotiation with a man from Gardena, California. The conspiracies that followed this were that Hoffa had been killed due to this and his body sent to this man in California and then buried nearby this man's stomping grounds in a poker club and a restaurant's foundation. This always kind of remained a local legend in that area until the property was bought in 2000 and fully excavated by
1: Larry Flint. Sydney, do you know who Larry Flint is? Not especially, but um, does he have something to do with Flint, Michigan?
0: He does not, but...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Then I don't know.
0: (laughs) I thought it was interesting because Larry Flint is the owner and creator of Hustler Magazine. (laughs) He actually turned this area into a casino and nothing was there. The legend finally died because when they took everything out obviously there were no human remains but I thought that was a really interesting connection and I was like oh gotta include that one (laughs) there is like an off the wall theory that (laughs) uh Jimmy Hoffa's body was shipped to Japan as well which I didn't think was credible so I didn't really include all the details but he was like big on obviously like in the union and warehouse and manufacturing saying in a, in the US to give Americans more jobs that's he was promoting you know job security and job benefits things like that so the theory is that he was taken to a waste incinerator or compactor and put in automotive ma- piping somehow and like shipped overseas as like a final fuck you i don't know i didn't think it, this was a like credible one, so I didn't include all the details, but I just thought it was another, like, off-the-wall theory to include. In 2003, there was a tip leading investigators to a home in Hampton, Michigan, which is located near Bay City. It's, like, right by the thumb of Michigan. Uh, I know since we're a mitten in a, a hand. It's kind, of, it's kind of in, the, like, the crevice area before the thumb leaves the rest of fingers. Um, so, I hope that was a good description.
1: I'm trying to imagine this in my in my head, and now all I see is, like, a hand in, in a glove. Yes, not, exactly. Not, yeah, but I don't see the state of Michigan at all. I just see, like, a hand. Oh. Well, I'm, I'm like, to... literally,
0: I have my hand up. We're not on camera, so you can't see me, but I have, like, my left hand up, and I'm,
1: like, pointing. <laughs> I do it all the time. It's a Michigan (laughs) thing. I don't think I see it. I'm not looking at the state of Michigan. It looks like a glove. I guess maybe, yeah. So, like in the part where, like, the thumb is, we literally put it as the thumb. I was looking at my hand wrong. Oh. Now I think it makes a little bit more sense. It's like a deformed hand, though. Uh, yeah, kind of.
0: But, like, in that spot by the thumb, like right before it veers off, in that mm-hmm. little dip, that's where mm-hmm. Hampton is located, which is like quite a far way away from Detroit. Yeah. So I just want, want to say that. So, investigators dug up a backyard pool <laughs> looking for either Jimmy's body or evidence related to his death. Specifically, I guess they were looking for a briefcase containing a medical syringe and a pharmaceutical drug used to potentially kill him. Another, like, informant gave this information that this is how they killed Jimmy, but, like, nothing was there. So this is another one that led nowhere. (laughs) In May of 2006, the FBI spent more than two weeks digging at a horse farm in Milford, Michigan, before calling it quits. This farm, known as Hidden Dreams Farm was previously owned by a close Hoffa associate and oftentimes Hoffa had meetings held on this property. This tip came from an ailing inmate who was previously working and living on the farm during the time of Hoffa's disappearance. The FBI released a statement at the end of the search stating they did not find Hoffa's body, but they did believe it had been buried there at one point in time before being removed. So I thought that was very interesting to include because usually they would just say nothing's been found and leave it at that. But like to release that little bit of information made it seem like they found something that implied he had been there.
1: That's really interesting because I feel like that's I'm surprised that they even released that. Like because normally it would just be like. No, we didn't find a body, end of story. Like, even if they found, like, something else, they usually just leave it at that.
0: Exactly. So I thought it was interesting to include, too. So my guess is they might have found something, but who knows?
1: But what did they
0: find? I I don't know, because we have nothing, and that was in 2006, and then that was it. I don't have anything else on it. I do have a more recent update, (laughs) and it is... Actually, so recent that it has occurred this year, 2021. This is my favorite one. Same. I could not wait to talk about this. I dove very deep into this. So I do want to clarify before we get into this. The last article I could find was the end of April 2021. I have not seen any updates since then. And Fox Nation Supposedly received this tip and started investigating. And the last update received was that it's now actually being investigated by law enforcement as a credible tip. I'm going to talk about like the steps in a minute and like why it might be a pain to investigate, but hopefully that will potentially lead to another Hoffa search. <laughs> so, Frank Capola. I'm guessing that's how you say his name, came forward in early 2020 during Fox's investigative series they did on Hoffa. The news outlet had teamed up with a known journalist and author who had actually written a book on Hoffa titled The Hoffa Wars, and he spent decades diving into Jimmy's case. The author spoke with Coppola and actually encouraged him to come forward since he actually said this is the most credible source and story yet which I thought was interesting because he literally said since 1975 there have been a lot there have been a lot of stories or I've heard a lot of stories and a lot of them have been crazy and some sound incredible but like this is the most credible one I've heard yet so that was like okay this is interesting (laughs) and now you're probably listening and you're like Peyton can you just tell us the fucking story and I'm going to (laughs)
1: So yes, Frank tells the
0: fucking story. <laughs> so Frank's story is that his father, Paul Coppola Sr., was a co-founder of a toxic waste dump known as Moscato's Dump and was tied to organized crime. Frank's father, Paul, helped bury Hoffa's body. Paul had told his son the exact location and how they shoved Hoffa in a 55-gallon drum head first. After his body was brought into New Jersey and then they buried the drum. First of all, Frank made some rude comments about <laughs> them not being able to fit Hoffa in the drum head f- or feet first. And I think the exact quote was the short fat man couldn't fit that way. Thought that was a little rude. <laughs> um, but apparently Paul Coppola was the one who put Hoffa in the drum And he was ordered to put the body in a certain location. Hours later, he decided to change the location since he didn't want Hoffa to be found on the exact dump property. He said his father was upset about it his whole life. And he didn't want to do it, but it's something they ordered him to. And if he didn't, it was was either, either like his body being buried or they would put Paul there. It very much sounded like Paul was not necessarily involved in organized crime. His son said he was a businessman and this was a matter of life or death for him. It was an order he had to follow and he teetered the line of working with organized crime at this dump. So obviously he just kind of did it. He also said that his father like very much respected Hoffa, which I thought was interesting And maybe that's the reason that they picked him. I don't know. But Paul claimed that he moved the barrel with the front end loader, dug a deep hole with an excavator, dumped in the barrel at the bottom of the 12 foot deep hole he dug and topped more metal drums on top of it before covering it all with dirt and debris. The location of this land that Frank had pointed out is now an empty lot of soil and gravel. It is actually just feet from where the Moscato dump used to be, and it technically wouldn't be on their property. After Fox heard this story and like got the location, they actually hired a ground penetrating radar company to conduct a survey in that area. To see how viable this source was themselves. So, like, talk about investigative journalism. I thought that was cool as fuck. <laughs> so, the survey determined that there were multiple large pieces of round metal shaped like the sides of barrels buried on top of each other, starting at four feet down, exactly as Frank's claims were. There was a bunch of loose debris filled in, and it looks like it was pretty deep. This dump used to be a famous tox waste site back in the 70s, and eventually was declared a federal Superfund site, and it was cleaned up in the 80s by the EPA. Thousands of drums filled with toxic waste were removed then. However, the site of Coppola's claims were never examined, Because it was technically not within the cleanup plan zoned. Frank also said that his father told two other people about burying Hoffa. One his father called Lala. And Frank couldn't remember what that person's real name was. But then the good old FBI stepped in. (laughs) They determined that was Ralph Pinella. And he was a top lieutenant in the Genovese crime family and a partner to Tony Provenzano, who the FBI always obviously suspected was somehow involved. So that seems pretty credible because if he would have told Lala, it maybe seems like Lala would have been one of the people who ordered him to do it. He did say that there were two other people there with him as well when he did bury Hoffa or put his body in the drum. The land is now state owned, however, specifically by the Department of Transportation. So that's why there are a lot of hoops to jump through to get it approved to dig here. Basically, Fox said if it was a private, (laughs) like privately owned by citizens, they would have appealed to them and like tried to see if they would have personally given approval. But because it's state owned, they have to go through a ton of hoops to jump through to get this approved especially, you know, Department of Transportation. That's a big name. And so now with that investigation in law enforcement's hands, hopefully we'll eventually hear an update on this potential dig. In 1975, just to add to this interesting little lore about this dump, it was searched already then, and according to that search warrant, it was f- for evidence linking to a missing New Jersey mobster at the time. But again, this specific area was not searched. Frank had stated in his interview he was begging authorities to search this area so a Hoffa can finally go home to his family. He also signed a sworn affidavit on his claims, stating they are 100% true as he knows it. However, Frank died in 2020 from lung cancer only four months after this interview. So if Hoffa is finally eventually discovered, he will never be here to see it.
1: (sighs) That's sad. It's very sad.
0: So are any of these theories your favorite?
1: Yeah, actually, one that you didn't talk about. I do like the last one. Oh, there's my God. A, there's another 2021 one, which is what I thought you were going to go into. Oh,
0: there was, like, six articles, and I thought they were all the same, so I might have missed one. So, in
1: 2021, it was reported that Hoffa was buried beneath the Savannah Inn and Golf Country Club of, like, on the coast of Georgia. Um, what? The club was formerly run by a Chicago mobster Lou Rosanova. and it's reported by many, so like organized crime members that they had stories that there's one hole on this golf course where mobsters and teamsters and all these people would urinate like uh, on on this specific hole because it was rumored that Jimmy Hoffa was buried underneath the hole. So they would urinate like as a fuck you to him. What the fuck? Yes, <laughs> Have they searched this area? So apparently not, because it's like owned by you know, it's like a privately owned thing, so like they right. can't, you know, it's not realistic. I feel like it's similar to like the giant stadium. like they eventually went and like did the radars and like dug stuff up, but like it took x amount of time before it happened. So I feel like it's kind of the same thing. like it's not realistic for them to fully go out and like, Dig up a huge chunk of the golf course unless they're doing like other renovations or something. But as of yeah. right now, I don't think that that's something that they've like looked into. But apparently, like amongst all of those members, it was like a belief that that's where you would go and take a piss because Jimmy Hoffa was buried there. And that was like his fuck you.
0: That's so interesting. I did not know that one.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I always find the ones, like, I had to include that California one, the Japan one. I think it's interesting when they're, like, not linked to Michigan or New Jersey, because that's been the focus of, like, the entire investigation, essentially.
1: Which is true. Very true. Uh,
0: I don't know which one's my favorite. This new one seems, I'm going to be honest, it seems very credible. Basically, like, you know, Hoffa was already dead when he arrived in New Jersey, and they took him to this dump and left his body there. I feel like that would be interesting and for the sense that, like, they had someone kill him, and then they wanted the proof, and they wanted to bury him close to home. Uh, I could see that. <laughs> I could definitely see it. Especially when I talked about, like, Tony Provenzano, if he was involved in it. Then, you know, him wanting it to be close to home, he had this anger issue, he seemed very, like, macho, it could be, like, an ego thing. I don't, yeah, I I don't know, I just, this has been one that, like, for years, I grew up hearing the story, like, Jimmy Hoffa was involved in organized crime, he disappeared, blah, blah, blah. Then you,
1: like, dig into it, and there's so many different theories, And I think that's the thing, there's so many, and, like, no matter which way you read into them, I feel like there's a lot that could be somewhat believable. Like, they're not all too far-fetched.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree. And then, also, there were not only, like, so many different theories that, like, could be realistic, but, like, no one's ever no one's ever concretely talked. Like, there have been, like, deathbed confession, inmate confessions, like, crazy. But none of them have been be able, like, able to be, like, really proven true. hmm So I think that's true. super interesting.
1: Yeah, I don't... What do you think... Know. So how do you think he got to, I guess, wherever his last burial spot is, that's one story. But how do you think he left the restaurant? Do you think he left, like, willingly? Or do you think that it was more of like a put a plastic bag over his head and someone runs, throws him in a car?
0: No, I think he, I'm with the witness statement, it does seem like he left willingly. And I could kind of see him being pissed and them getting here like, hey, Jimmy, so sorry, uh, they're here, they're stuck in a, a meeting or something's going on here, can you come swing by and they'll talk to you here instead? And he'd be like, yeah, whatever, like, let's just get this shit fucking over with, is kind of what I could picture. So I think I- guard
1: down, but I don't know. I kind of believe that, but then I also feel like that, like, the number one rule of, like, organized crime is just that no one's your friend, and, like, they just hate everyone. So like I almost feel like he wouldn't have gotten in the vehicle with them and it would have had to have been like a surprise attack, but I guess what do I know?
0: Yeah, there's just so many different theories. And so like many th- theories. and no one knows.
1: No, <laughs> that's and what I didn't...
0: included like, oh, my dad thinks this, my grandpa thinks this. I told my mom, I was like, Yeah, Papa thinks that he was cremated. She's like, actually that's a really
1: good theory. <laughs> I'm like, it is yeah because that would I mean make sense as to when they never found anything but there's also so many like locations that he apparently is that it's like when there's so many stories like that it's almost like the boy who cried wolf like they can't follow up on everything like literally they're and not gonna dig like up at everything yeah like they're gonna dig up stuff when they have the opportunity I guess if they hear enough about it but like They're not realistically, like, this golf course going to just go to hole eight or whatever it is and just dig the whole fucking thing up unless they have a realistic reason. Because now I feel like this is probably, what, theory 212? Right. They'd be just digging up the whole states.
0: Yeah, I think this new theory is pretty credible. And if I were to say that there were any other theories I, like, genuinely believe, it could potentially be that he was cremated. Which... Mm -hmm. If that's the case, he would have been cremated probably with, like, all his clothing and belongings he had on him. They probably wouldn't have taken anything from him. And if that, again, is the case, it makes sense why no matter what, any of these claims that have come forward could have been true. But there would have been no way to prove it.
1: No. These are people, like, that are sworn to secrecy. They're not talking. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They ain't they're they're they killing got... people by the minute. They're not telling nobody nothing. Stitches
0: get stitches.
1: Snitches I'm just kidding. i the Detroit please, River.
0: Please come forward if you know something in a crime. Uh, that does not make you stitch. We're, uh, we're not in 1975
1: involved in organized crime. But. <laughs> if it's involved in organized crime, don't tell me because I don't want to be involved. <laughs> true or I just like genuinely might not believe you <laughs> it's also true
0: so I have some fun facts I don't know if you have anything else to add if you do do you want to do that before I give you all my fun facts
1: no <laughs> okay. I don't think I have anything separate than from what you already mentioned so now give me your fun facts okay
0: Sorry, I know I probably didn't add a lot of room here for you to
1: <laughs> no <laughs> to it's so us, you
0: know, with my 14 pages of notes. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> I dove deep. Sorry, everyone. Uh, so some fun facts I have. A uh, lot of mentions of Hoffa still popping up today, even in pop culture. I mentioned that book about Frank Sheeran. So that was adapted into a film I mentioned. It's called The Irishman and aired on Netflix. It was actually directed by Martin Scorsese. He called this a major passion project and there were tons of big name actors in this film including Al Pacino coming out of retirement or not Al Pacino who came out of retirement for this movie. Hold on. Joe Pesci Joe Pesci came out of retirement for this movie. Uh, And I don't know if you know who that is, Sydney. But anyone who's, like, followed any, like, gangster, organized crime movies. uh, The Godfather, Scarface, and what's the big one? I don't know. (laughs) I'm going to see the name and I'm going to be pissed. Hold on, sorry. Goodfellas. Duh uh. Goodfellas. Joe Pesci's in Goodfellas, for example. But so he even came out of retirement to star in The Irishman. It was like a star packed movie. Al Pacino actually played Jimmy Hoffa in this movie. So like talk about a fucking famous ass actor playing you. Wild. <laughs> so I know
1: I, Joe Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say I know Joe Pesci from Home Alone, so <laughs> Okay, that's kind of my, my version of movies. <laughs> Not that I just looked him up. I was like, I know that name, but what is something that I know him in? It's Home Alone. That's what it is. Hey, tis the season to start watching Home Alone. So, and if you tell me no, I'm going to fight. I, I already know. did that. Okay, that's a classic. That's already <laughs> been done. That was, when did I? Friday night. It had to have been Friday.
0: Okay, I've been trying to
1: watch I've been trying to watch
0: Christmas movies for, like, two weeks now, and finally I convinced my boyfriend to let me watch a Christmas movie last night. He's like, yeah, but we're gonna watch Die Hard. <laughs> so I watched Die Hard for the first time, and he was snoring within five minutes. He woke up at the end to sing the Christmas song while the credits were rolling.
1: That sounds about right.
0: <laughs> and I could have been watching Home Alone or Elf. What the fuck? <laughs>
1: Sounds like a better, more enjoyable experience.
0: <laughs> so a couple more fun facts I have. Uh, in 1975, Jimmy Hoffa was writing an autobiography called Hoffa, The Real Story, which was officially published just a few months after he disappeared. He had previously published another book in 1970 called The Trials of Jimmy Hoffa, while still in trial, telling The real story, and that's in air quotes, of, uh, you know, the feud with RFK and himself and what really happened and how he was incorrectly persecuted. (laughs) So the restaurant that Jimmy Hoffa went missing from is now in Andiamo's. The Red Fox closed its doors around 1996. And fun fact, it's about 10 minutes away from my house. Just had to share. James P. Hoffa, Jimmy's son, also became involved in the Teamsters organization. He even became president in 1998, and he still holds the title, which makes him the second longest serving president of the Teamsters since the original president when it was first formed and founded. Which I thought was pretty fucking wild. Like, he literally followed in his father's
1: footsteps. Interesting. Very interesting.
0: Right? And then Jimmy's daughter, Barbara Ann, became a lawyer and eventually a judge in St. Louis before retiring. She's been, like, very outspoken about her father's case. And she's also been very outspoken about how the justice system failed her family. So I also thought that was interesting to include. And that's it. That's everything I got on Jimmy Hoffa. About an hour in.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: Well, two hours invested into this for those listening.
1: <laughs> it's a I lot, guess. but it's a lot of a lot of good information.
0: It is. And unfortunately, I still don't have an answer for you. So it sucks that like we put so much time and energy into it and there's no answer. But hopefully, eventually this might be a closed case. Who knows? Maybe I'll live to see it
1: Maybe one day. If
0: you head to our social media pages after listening, tell us what you think. Like what's your theory that is the most
1: believable in Hoffa's disappearance? we We want to know. Yes, comment on the post, I think. When we posted part one, there was someone who had commented and said that he was underneath a parking lot in Jersey or something.
0: (laughs) I mean, and it could be. There's a million
1: theories. Let me find the comment. This ain't unsolved. We all know he's buried under a parking lot in Jersey. (laughs) It's what Lynn Cochran says. Well, Lynn, you might be correct. We don't really know
0: yet. Hopefully we find out one day. (laughs) Only time will tell. Well, you got a joke and a fact for me today? Of course I do. Okay, let's end with a joke. So give me the fact first.
1: The word burrito first appeared in the Oxford English Dictionary in 1958. Interesting. That's not that long ago. It's hard to find uh, facts, guys, let me tell you. (laughs) But that's, like, like really not that long ago. No, I feel like most stuff involving tacos and burritos and, like, I don't know, like, Mexican food really is, like, in the 1900s plus. Like, it's not that long ago.
0: And, like, the mid-1900s, like, around the 50s and sooner.
1: Yeah. Or, like, 50s and up. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Which is pretty interesting because it's really not that long ago for yeah. the world to be so old.
0: I guess it's almost a hundred years ago. So.
1: so Abraham Lincoln never probably had a taco in his living life.
0: Wow.
1: That's now pretty that's, fucked up.
0: Yeah, that's fucked up. That's disappointing. So I guess let's perspective. be all be all grateful that we have tacos and burritos now that's
1: mm-hmm. what you've told me <laughs> mm-hmm. put that into perspective people <laughs> you could have lived your whole life without a taco or a burrito
0: glad I don't live in that world anymore
1: <laughs> <laughs> that nightmare <laughs> okay hit me with the joke how can a taco get out of taco jail? How? By getting a taco bail.
0: <laughs>
1: I like that one. Uh, that was a good one. Every- Every week I say, I can't get a better joke than last week. And I find one and I just sit there and laugh and laugh. (laughs) Yeah, that was a good one. I'm a fan. Well, I'm happy I could provide.
0: Good job. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mentioned social media. Find us on Facebook, Tacos and Tequila Podcast. Tell us what you think.
1: Instagram, just Tacos and Tequila.
0: You can also go to our website, com. It has links to all our episodes, as well as pictures and pictures of Sydney and I when we were kids to embarrass ourselves. Yes,
1: absolutely. <laughs> if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you should leave a rating or review. I saw since the last couple of times we complained, um, we got a couple. So shout outs to you guys. Ah, yay! Thank you, everyone. We appreciate it. No reviews, but they're leaving stars, for sure. Okay, so. well, I'll, I'll take, take that. that. Yeah. That's not bad.
0: I'll take that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's all I have, I guess. So, anything else I'm forgetting, Sid? I don't think so. I think we covered all our
1: bases today.
0: Perfect. Well, if that is the case, I guess we will talk to you all next week.
1: Bye. Bye. <laughs>